In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he put this question to his disciples. Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say he is John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he said, who do you say I am? Then Simon Peter spoke up. You are the Christ, he said, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Simon, son of Jonah, you are a happy man, because it was not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So I now say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the underworld can never hold out against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be considered bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth shall be considered loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. According to ancient tradition, these two apostles were put to death by Emperor Nero. Peter died by crucifixion in the public circus or amphitheater at Vatican Hill. Paul was beheaded outside the city. Christians made pilgrimages to the shrines containing the relics of these two princes of apostles from the earliest times. Shrines and churches were built on top of their tombs. The faithful thronged the streets on June the 29th, going in pilgrimage to the Vatican, St. Peter's, and from there walked to the Church of St. Paul's, outside the walls, praying at the shrines and attending the pontifical masses, which the Pope celebrated first at St. Peter's, then at St. Paul's. Today we do not have to make that long trek from one church to the other, and we do not need to attend two masses, one in the morning and the other in the evening to commemorate this solemn feast. Today is a kind of a bonus. You get to celebrate the martyrdom of these two great apostles at this Mass, two for the price of one. Apart from Mary, the mother of Jesus, Saint Joseph and Saint John the Baptist, these are the only human figures commemorated in the calendar of the Universal Church with a day given the rank of solemnity. In a sermon in the year 395, St. Augustine of Hippo said of Saints Peter and Paul, There is one day for the passion of two apostles, but these two also were as one. Although they suffered on different days, they were as one. Peter went first, Paul followed. You may know something about each of their stories and exploits, how they were called, one being among the first of our Lord's disciples and the other being called after his resurrection in a mystical and miraculous sort of a way. It is hard to determine who was more privileged, the one who knew our Lord in person or the one who encountered our Lord in glory. The mission would also take divergent paths. Peter gradually grew into his role as leader of the Twelve and was eventually tasked with the pastoral care of the church after our Lord's departure. Paul, on the other hand, would be a missionary constantly on the move. From a zealous persecutor of the church, he would 
proved to be her greatest missionary, even bringing the gospel beyond the boundaries of Israel to the Gentiles and all peoples of the world. Their divergent paths would take them along different routes, but they would have met on several occasions from the recorded scriptures. In the Acts of the Apostles, their stories are given separately. Peter is prominent in the first half of the book and Paul in the second. They meet, however, at the so-called Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. Peter speaks, Paul speaks, James adds his opinion, and the meeting comes to a harmonious conclusion, despite the initial controversy. Thank God, mischief managed. But in Paul's letter to the Galatians, the picture is more complicated. Three meetings are recorded. First, Paul visits Peter in Jerusalem, where they spend two weeks together. This took place three years after Paul's conversion experience. We are not told what they discussed. After 14 years, they meet again in Jerusalem. Here, Barnabas and Paul shared a right hand of fellowship with Peter and James and John. They agree that Peter is to preach to the circumcised and Paul to the uncircumcised. Paul is, however, to remember the poor. Paul mentions the third meeting with Peter in Antioch, where there is a sharp exchange of views. Things get a little bit ugly. Peter has given up his practice of eating at the same table as Gentile converts. This led Paul to confront him publicly because he was not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel. Peter no doubt thought that he was serving the interests of Jewish Christians in their tension with Jews who were not Christians. But Paul, because of his theological vision of what God had done in Christ, saw such divisions as a betrayal of the gospel. Ultimately, Paul's view won. For Christians, Christ is the end of the law and we have been set free. By the time that Acts was written, this tension belonged to the past, even though in 2 Peter there is a warning about our beloved brother Paul. In his letters, there are some things in them difficult to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. Well, looks like Peter had the last word and took a final jibe at his missionary partner or rival. But despite their disagreements, some of which were public and perhaps quite ugly, Peter and Paul had much in common in that they were both apostles of Christ who sacrificed their lives to the same persecution. But their origins, personalities, achievements, theology and missionary styles remind us that we live within one mystical body of Christ, the Catholic, which means universal church. They were united in one testimony, they gave their lives for the love of Jesus and the gospel. While Peter represents stability and continuity in the Christian community, Paul represents the missionary outlook of the church. Rather than to see one in conflict with the other, the examples of our two apostolic princes demonstrate that these paradigms can be and indeed are complementary, thus reminding us that the church is both universal and particular, ever ancient and ever new unvaryingly pastoral and always missionary. Unity within the church does not mean uniformity. Yes, the church breathes not with a single lung, but with two. One Peter, the other Paul.
in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.